Hi, everyone. Welcome to this little podcast introducing the letter of James. My name is Carl, and I'm one of the pastors for a great commission community church. And I'm joined by Wayne. Hey, Wayne, you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Wayne, and I'm currently the missiological pastoral intern at GCCC. Um, and also an MDiv student at Fuller Seminary. Yes. All right. Welcome. Um, so I know Wayne, uh, over the last few months since you've started seminary, uh, we've had conversations and um, uh, about your classes, about theology, about Bible, and I know I've really enjoyed them, and um, I, I hope you've enjoyed them too. <laughs> no, I definitely have, yeah. <laughs> right back at you. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, it's like when someone says, I love you, and then there's nothing in the nothing in return. <laughs> Like I heard you anyway. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I really appreciated it. And I thought, Hey, wouldn't it be fun to have, uh, I don't know, just like a conversation about the book of James, um, as a church, we're going to be going through the book of James on Sundays over the next couple months, as well as in many of our small groups and, um, for, um, just everyone in our church, including our small group leaders as well. Um, I know that, um, you know, sometimes when we go through a book, we want like other resources, maybe like, oh, I want a commentary or something like that and really dig into this. Um, maybe part of it is just, yeah, I want something to whet my appetite for this um, book that we're going to be looking at. And so uh, that's the purpose of this little podcast is just to whet our appetite for the book of James and and also to give us an introduction um, and just to say what the book is about. And um, hopefully this is a little more fun or entertaining than um, reading a commentary. Yeah. Well, still go read commentaries. They're really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> this will be uh, kind of shorter and, um, and sweet. Um, well, our sermon series is called Authentic Christian Faith. That's a sermon series in James, Authentic Christian Faith. And um, just to get this uh, conversation rolling, Wayne, um, let me ask you this. What does authentic Christian faith, especially lived out in a community, what does authentic Christian faith look like to you? And maybe where have you seen it? Mm. Yeah, those are great questions. Um, I think what comes to mind uh, on a very basic level, authentic Christian faith looks like it looks like Jesus, you know, it looks like living like Jesus did, mm -hmm. um, doing what Jesus did, right? So if Jesus was about um, forgiveness, right? We, we as authentic followers of Jesus should be about forgiveness. If he was about hospitality, um, doing justice and mercy, you know, these, these are things that, that we should be doing and living out as well. Um, having the life of Christ really, really within our own lives, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes that that's a great answer. Um I think I might say the same if you were to ask me the same question, like what does authentic Christian faith look like? I think yeah, it's not um necessarily about um like a you know, at heart, it's not about a certain kind of morality or a certain kind of philosophy or worldview and at heart it's really about a person. It's about Jesus and it's about um being connected to Jesus and yeah, like you said, living like Jesus. I think that's um, like authentic Christian faith. I think, I think part of our problem as a church in America, especially like um, one of the problems that we have in um, trying to help other people um, know Christ and um, 
you know, just to sort of welcome Christ um, in their own lives is that I think rightfully, actually, they see a lot of inauthentic Christian mm-hmm. faith um, in in the church, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, um, and when I say inauthentic, just basically going with the, de- the definition we just um, gave, mm-hmm. like looking like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I feel like so much of what we do or, you know, what we look like as a church doesn't really look like Jesus um, to a lot of people. And, um, and, and not that they're just like misperceiving things. I think they're perceiving things um, really correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, um, you know, that's, that should be sort of a, a big uh, kind of a wake up call or a big splash of cold water for the church to get into books like this letter mm-hmm. James um, and um, kind of recover um, and sharpen our authentic Christian faith. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And I, I would add, um, I think um, being authentic. Um, yeah. When I think of authentic, I think of um, it really being like at the core of who we are, you know, as people, um, you know, Christ's life permeating, you know, our desires, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the our very being. And, mm-hmm. and so, I think more than, even more than living like Jesus did, doing what Jesus did, it, it you know, it's like loving, loving what Jesus did mm, and yeah. um, being angry at the things that Jesus was angry at, you know? So it's not just a, um, here's like a rule book of, of things that Christians do, but, yeah, but yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, this is who we are as, yeah, as followers yeah. of Christ and as, as a church, it's at the core, you know, of, of yeah, our character, yeah. our desires. Yeah. Like really organic, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I asked, um, I asked this other question, um, what is it, or when has, um, has this authentic Christian faith, um, been like a concrete thing for you? Like, when have you seen that done in a community? Sure. I think, uh, what most immediately comes to mind is, um, yeah, after graduation, uh, I spent a year in Northwest China, I think if I could kind of sum up my experience um, with that house church in one word, it would be simple, mm. simple, very simple. Uh, no, no frills, mm. no gimmicks. You know, it was, you know, 15 of us gathered in a person's home. We, um, we would sing songs a cappella. You know, we would listen to a brother um, uh, share from the word. We would celebrate communion with, with a bread bought from the bakery, local bakery downstairs. You know, I sensed, I, I sensed people, um, yeah, gathered because, uh, they just wanted, uh, to hear the word of God. They, they needed each other. They needed the mutual encouragement, um, the, the confession, the prayer. And, mm-hmm. um, I got the sense it was just very, um, very organic, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the sense of community, the, um, kind of heart, you know, that, that the believers had, that we all had was, was we wanted to draw close to Jesus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Um, I think for me too, with that word simple, I I think that captures a lot of, um, what I would, what I would say is authentic Christian community or authentic Christian faith too. Um, it's, yeah, like you said, it's it's yeah, made without the frills or, or bells mm-hmm. and whistles. It's 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 really straightforward. 
Um, and um, it's not about like sort of how you dress or kind of how you talk. Um, sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, like we said before, it's, it's really about being with Christ, you know, mm-hmm. living with Christ, living like Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I look back to, um, and after coming back to the States mm-hmm. now, having been back in the States for a couple of years, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I wonder, you know, why did it feel so, so organic out there? And um, I, I think, I think one thing I think of is, is like, the kind of vision of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the vision of, of the house church as a part of, you know, there wasn't like some sort of like external, you know, growth marker or anything like that. Like let's build like, you know, like a big, bigger church building or, you know, um, you, you can't really do that, you know, out there anyway. Um, <laughs> or grow in number even, it was more kind of just like, let's, let's live deep lives of authentic Christian faith, you know, as a community. And, and um, yeah, naturally, you know, people just started, started coming. It was a very free, free way of doing church. You know, it wasn't results driven. It was very simple. Let's just live as, as Jesus did. And I think that leads to a very authentic uh, faith and then Christian community. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like it wasn't mechanistic. It wasn't, right. yeah, formulaic. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that sounds beautiful. Mm. Um, you know, like when I think about um, like a person with authentic Christian faith, um, you know, I think of this friend of mine um, who is a couple years older. And um, when I, we first met, um, we were both in college. And um, there are other like Christians that I knew or a little bit older and, um, and, you know, I, and I, I guess I shouldn't say that like his faith was more authentic or something like, I mean, um, who am I to say? Um, but I think for me, what really struck out or what really stuck out, um, to me about his life was that, yeah, it didn't, I don't know. It, it it wasn't like the most outwardly like religious life. Right. He didn't use certain like, Mm. you know, phrases or he didn't have like the vocabulary down. Um, I mean, I guess he could have spoken it, but he just, he didn't. And, um, and, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, um, other people might've thought other Christians might've thought he was like worldly or this or that, you know, but in the end, I mean, he really lived it out. Like he took a lot of risks for Christ. I mean, he was willing to, you know, do whatever for Christ he prayed and, Mm. um, and, um, yeah, I, I think that goes back to sort of simplicity, putting away like kind of frills and outward markers and mm-hmm. like really talking about like, what's real, like what, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Um, and as a community, like what's, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Is it about, like you're saying, is it about buildings? Is it about number? You know, I mean, yeah, maybe that's part of, um, what we end up kind of doing as we follow sure. the Lord, but it's, it's not, um, primary anyway. I mean, it's, it's part of it maybe, but it's, it's secondary. And, um, yeah, I, it, you know, I guess as a transition to talking about James, the reason we're doing this little podcast, um, I think we could ask the same question of James, like James, what is authentic Christian faith to mm. you? What does that look like? Um, James, like, we don't want to be fake 
Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to just do the stuff or kind of on the, um, like outwardly, just on the outside be doing things sort of the right way. But really, what does it mean to be authentically Christian in our community, James? And um, I think that's what he gives us. I mean, James is a really um, hard-hitting in some ways, a really straightforward book. And um, a lot of it is very straightforwardly about um, Mm -hmm. being like a real... um, person of Christ. It's about having like real wisdom as opposed to just, I don't know what some people might call wisdom. It's about having like real, uh, obedience to God rather than just, I don't know, just like a superficial kind of idea of, I believe in God. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about real, um, maturity. It's about real perseverance. It's about, um, real prayer, it's about real like peacemaking. It's about a real perspective on wealth. It's about um, like a truly real way of um, taking care of uh, people on the margins of our society. Um, you know, I think one one verse that comes to mind that um, I don't know. I guess just reflects this is at the end of chapter one. He says, "Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father, uh, for before God the Father, sorry, is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself um, unstained from the world." And you know, right before that, he says, "If anyone thinks he is religious and does not um, bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless." And he's basically saying. Yeah, you know, you you might call yourself religious. You might think of yourself as a righteous person or as a good person, um, but uh, really, you could be fooling yourself. You could be faking it. You could be like bamboozling yourself and lying to yourself. And he—that's a phrase that he uses throughout the letter. Uh, don't lie to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Don't be deceived. Um, but this is what authentic uh, Christian life looks like. Um, mm-hmm. I think this letter is really um, relevant and it's, I don't know, it has a lot to say uh, to us, um, maybe to the church as a whole, like the larger church uh, these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be going through, I mean, it's a pretty short book and we'll be going through it on Sunday. So um, I, we don't have to like go through the whole thing here. Again, we're just trying to give a little intro and a little like appetizer here mm-hmm. um, with this um, conversation. But um you know, I, I I do think it'd be worth it just to talk about a you know a couple of our topics mm-hmm. or a couple of themes that we see in James. Sure. Um, so um, I don't know, Wayne. Do you want to want to start? Like, is there a, a theme that you want to just talk about a little bit together? Sure. Yeah. I think um, I really love the verse that you read at the end of uh, chapter one, um, talking about pure and undefiled religion, you know, visiting orphans and widows. And, and mm-hmm. that's like biblical language for, mm-hmm. right. The poor, the oppressed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, someone, someone has taken an old Testament class. I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love how that that's at the core, you know, of, of according to James, what it means to be a Christian. It's not just like an added kind of extra extra thing that Christians do, but it's really integral, you know, mm-hmm. central to, mm-hmm. to what it means to be a Christian. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
That's great. You know, I, I think of chapter two, right after that, where he says, um, like, just imagine this story and someone comes, he's wearing like a gold ring and really nice clothes. And then um, a person who's poor in shabby clothing also comes in. And then if you give a lot of attention to the person in the fine clothing and say, here, sit in this nice place. And then if you say to the poor person, you stand over there, you know, sit here on the ground, um, then um, like, are you not living an authentic, are you, you know, are you really living an uh, authentic Christian life? And um, I know that's a story that is really about like two individuals, but um, it's, it's really a story about what our community looks like. Um, and um yeah. You know, are we not just mistreating them like when they come into our gathering? But um, I, I think this story is, is really about a larger um, mm-hmm. sense of how do we consider, how do we take care of, um, how do we um, like obey God in visiting orphans and widows and, and caring sure. for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, and I think I think according to James, that's kind of like, the marker, you know, to determine, um, truly authentic Christian community. It's how do we take care of, mm, yeah. of the poor? How do we take care of the the most vulnerable, you know, yeah. in, in our community and, and also outside of our community. Yeah. Um, I think if, if we take kind of the standards of the world and apply it, you know, into our church, yeah. You know, we treat those that are wealthy, you know, that have status power, we treat them with uh, preference. But I think James, he kind of turns that idea upside down, you know, how, how, how we determine, you know, if we're really a truly authentic Christian community is it's by how we treat, treat the poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's part of me when I, hear this and when I just hear you talk, Wayne, there's part of me that's like, yes. And then there's part of me that's like, huh, you know, do, do we do that? Like, does my community, does our community do that? And then there is sort of, um, there too, it's like, well, let's, let's do it. And then there's part of a, um, there's, part, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's also a thought that's like, well, you know, maybe it's not central. You know, but, but James is like really straightforward. I mean, he doesn't, um, mince words. Um, I think, yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, like, if if you don't take care of the poor, if you don't uh, visit orphans and widows in their distress and their afflictions, then, um, yeah, you're, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why do you think, um, I'm curious, why do you think that that's the case, you know, that we don't really use that as the defining marker for authentic Christian community or faith? Mm. Man, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, it's so straightforward, not just here in James, but in other parts of the Bible and and Jesus' teaching. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I I could say just from studying church history, um, Mm -hmm. I think there are historical reasons that Mm -hmm. a lot of the American church kind of, I don't know, almost makes it secondary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think it goes back, say, 100 years ago when the church had a big divider, almost like a schism, even though it wasn't like called that. Um, but it's a, a big divide between um, like two groups of Christian and, and one group said, oh, we're just going to focus on the ethics of Jesus. And um, we're not really going to be worried so much about like, um, like the historicity 
of mm -hmm. the gospel and like did Jesus like yeah maybe Jesus didn't rise from sure. the dead and they denied yeah. some of that and so uh, really the only thing that matters and I'm sure a lot of it was pressure just you know not to be supernatural you know because it wasn't as socially acceptable um, mm -hmm. so like let's put out like the kind of magic elements and let's just focus on like being a good person like Jesus mm -hmm. and then the other part of the church was like, no, we have to maintain the fact that Jesus died and rose. And, um, you know, like those are fundamentals of our faith. And, um, and so what happens is that if, if you are like theologically orthodox, like I believe Jesus rose from the dead, and then you're part of a group that's focused on the ethics of Jesus, you're sort of like held with some suspicion. Yeah. Um, and then, in the same way, unfortunately, like if you have people, if you're in a group um, that really holds on to the, you know, the literal resurrection of Jesus, and then you're like, hey, let's really take care of people like Jesus told us to, then you're also viewed with some suspicion because of that history. I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, it's been a long time like that. And um, I think it's high time uh, for um, that, like really artificial separation to to be, um, to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an interesting thought. Do you, do you see that, um, kind of phenomena happening in other parts of the world or? You know, I'm sure like, I'm not like a missions expert or, uh, you know, I read missiology and stuff and, you know, I like, um, titling internships, um, with the word <laughs> missiological, but, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, um, I, I do think that the American situation is, is pretty unique that way, just mm -hmm. historically. I, I don't know if you just, I don't know if you see that bifurcation elsewhere mm -hmm. um, as strongly. Like, again, I'm not an expert, but um, I do think that the American, um, like, history with this of the church, it, it mm -hmm. is unique. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Has that been your experience, too? Like, I, I guess, do you notice that much more in America than when you've been um, in another country or talking to people from other right. places? I, yeah, I think so. I think, I think, um, generally I would, I would say that to be, to be true. There isn't this kind of like in other parts of the world, um, not, not influenced by like kind of Western, Western theology. I think there's less of a bifurcation between mm -hmm. kind of like the evangelical side of the gospel and like the yeah. social yeah, yeah. side of the gospel. I think, you know, it's just like the gospel, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like both, both. Yeah, and yeah. You know? right, right. Um, it, it's a less kind of like separated crops view of, of the gospel. So Jesus came right to save us from our sins, but he also came to make all things new and to redeem, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Bring, bring reconciliation to, to, to unjust systems. And, and so I think, I think it's important that we hold both, you know, both mm -hmm. sides kind of hand in hand and, and not have a, kind of bifurcated, separated, um, view of, of the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, a, another topic that, uh, I think, I don't know, that stands out to me anyway, is this, uh, idea that Jesus is returning and, Amen. um, yeah, come that's Lord right. Jesus. Yeah. Come Lord Jesus. Um, you know, people have noticed like scholars have noticed that Jesus is Jesus's name is only mentioned a couple times in James, but, um, it's, um, it's not that James is not talking about Christ. Actually, he sounds a lot like Jesus throughout the letter and he refers to Jesus a lot, um, especially as the Lord and especially as, uh, 
the judge, um, that Jesus is a judge to James and he's coming again. Um, and, um, James, like throughout the letter references Jesus' return as a judge, you know, he says, um, Hey, you know, like take care of each other, you know, um, take care of, um, you know, the, the, the poor, um, because judgment is coming, you know, um, he says, um, he says, uh, don't speak evil against one another because a judge is coming, you know, be patient and persevere in your suffering because Jesus is coming. Um, and I, I don't know, it stands out to me because, you know, as a letter that James is giving to us today too, the, our church and the church in America in 2020, um, it stands out to me because it's, to me at least, it's not really how the Western church thinks, you know, like I I don't see that attached a lot, like where we reference (laughs) Jesus' return constantly as our motivation for things. Um, I don't know. Do you notice that too, Wayne? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, in proportion to like what I read in the Bible and how they're always <laughs> referencing you know, Jesus's return. I definitely think, you know, at least for me, I didn't grow up in a church where we really talked about Christ's return um, and, and not only talked about it, but talked about it as something that was really like our hope our mm-hmm. anticipated, you know, mm-hmm. anticipated kind of yeah. um, like shalom, you know, that, that yeah. will happen, you know, in the end um, when Jesus returns and, and yeah, I don't know. It, it's, um, that, that's an interesting question. Carl, why do you think uh, we don't talk about it in, in the church today? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, just like we're talking about like, why, why does a church, uh, bifurcate, uh, the, like the gospel, um, and like living it out and taking care of people. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I definitely notice it. And, um, Actually, I remember a conversation with you, um, I think recently about mm-hmm. this or something related to it, Wayne, and you were talking about like the left behind books. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you said something like, yeah, when I meet people, meet Christians, seems like their primary teaching on <laughs> kind of eschatology, which is, you know, a fancy word for um, uh, kind of the last times which we're in, or, you right. know, especially thinking about Jesus' return, like, um, primary, um, source is left behind, which is, you know, like makes me crack up, but it's also like very distressing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I posed that question, um, in the summer with, uh, the college students, you know, like when, when we think about Jesus's second coming, what comes to mind. And I'd say for, for a lot of us, it was really left behind, you know, that's, that's our understanding of, Mm -hmm of, um, Jesus second coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that goes to though, um, just a, a, like our church is not talking about it much. And I guess regardless of why we don't talk about it, I, I think, um, just the fact that, or at least our observation that, um, churches generally don't talk about it. Um, and especially talk about it as our like primary hope, um, you know, I think what I've noticed is, um, in a lot of churches, the primary hope seems to be when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's very individualistic. It's very much like what's going to happen to me, like what'll be my sort of eternal right. destiny. Yeah. 
and um, and it's not like it is for the early church in the New Testament. It's and for James, it's not that Jesus is going to return, mm-hmm. and um, like you said, he's going to make all things new, and he's going to transform this world, and so. Um, like instead of our hope being like what's going to happen to my kind of soul right when I die like my concern is what's going to happen to this world when right. Jesus returns um like all of us included and um the redemption that Christ is going to bring the transformation that he's going to bring um yeah I, yeah Carl I think that that that's definitely uh, spot on and and I would add um yeah, why don't we talk about, you know, Christ's return as much? I think I think part of it is because we as a church don't identify closely enough with with the poor and oppressed. You know, we don't live in, you know, like super yeah. deep solidarity, you know, with the poor. And yeah. I think part of that is because you know, churches in the West are affluent, you know, we're yeah. we're well off. We don't have to think about the poor necessarily. And yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think um, it makes me think of, um, yeah, like in the Old Testament, you know, throughout, um, there are references to kind of like the Exodus story. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, don't oppress the, yeah. the sojourner because you were once a slave, uh, right, yeah. in, in the land of Egypt. You and, know how it feels. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I think we as a church, we don't know really how it feels a lot of the time mm-hmm. to, to, to be, you know, poor and oppressed. And, um, I think that's why when we read passages like, you know, in like Isaiah, Isaiah 11, right. And Jesus coming back as judge, the wolf dwelling with the lamb, like these passages should like, we should be elated, you know, we yeah, should be dancing, yeah, rejoicing. Yeah, yeah. But when we read them, you know, is that, is that our reaction? I, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I don't know if this is like a crazy idea um, or maybe like a biblical idea, but sometimes I wonder like, Uh yeah, like, man, like when we talk about revival in the church, Mm -hmm. like sometimes I wonder, you know, if, if, if what it takes to see revival in the church is really like a voluntary dispossession of our wealth Mm -hmm. so that we can experience Mm -hmm. like true solidarity with, with the poor and oppressed. Sometimes I wonder, man, if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I, the way you've connected these, you know, two things that we're talking about, um, taking care of the widow and the orphan and um, acknowledging and putting our hope in Christ's return, I, I think that's totally right. I, I know I actually I gave a sermon about this, like, um, I think in February, like right before all the COVID hit, but um, basically for Christ's return and especially his judgment in his returning, to be genuinely good news for us. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we either have to be the oppressed or we have to identify really strongly, like Mm -hmm. have a feel a lot of solidarity with the oppressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think if, if that's not us, I mean, just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, it's going to be really hard for it to be good news and we're going to have to wrestle with it and things like that. And like a lot of kind of affluent Christians have done actually. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, I, I, I think that when we talk about authentic Christian faith, um, authentic Christian community, um, I don't know. James is really straightforward, and and he's his letters. I think really challenging to us, and and um, I think it's really challenging to us, especially now. You know, in these days, and um, like I'm I'm 
really hit by it, even just talking mm-hmm. right now with you, Wayne. And um, mm-hmm. as I'm looking forward to going through this book, um, thinking about like what it means to be like non-fake, mm-hmm. like really real, genuine, like you said, simple um, uh, Christian community, like really mm-hmm. following Christ. And um, man, I, I, yeah, I want that to be us. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, Wayne, thanks so much for conversing like this. Um, I, um, yeah, I hope for everyone who's listening, this is uh, helpful and I hope it whets your appetite and gets you eager to, um, look into James, uh, together over the next couple months. Um, you can always, uh, email me if you have any questions or thoughts, um, or any of the pastors. Um, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to be really happy to, to talk about things with you and look forward to our conversations in our small groups and so on as well. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll just sign out from here and um, we'll uh, see everyone over the next couple months. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Wayne. Bye.